Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for Stage 5 of the Giro d'Italia from Atripalda to Salerno. 15, 17 degrees, rainy conditions. And this is, we've got the old adage, you can't win the Giro on one of these stages, but you can certainly lose it. A flat last 50 kilometers, medium mountains before in the first half or so, and just rain all day and a really, really nervous peloton. We had like 4K, 7.5%. I really thought the break had a chance today, Benji, but no one, maybe they looked out their window and they didn't want it, but no one really tried to get in the break. Maybe is that because they know all of Jaco, all of Alberson, all of Trek, and maybe even DSM will chase you all day? Very likely. Those are the teams that would like to make it a more, well, it depends, eh? Because you've got those teams with the, not so pure sprinters, the versatile sprinters who think, okay, we can control the break and maybe get something out of it if we make it a bit harder. But also the pure sprinters who might not want to pace too hard because they want their leader to be able to follow on these climbs. So it's kind of a balance of which teams are going to do it. But maybe those breakaway riders, the Magnus Courts of the world, were also like, let's look through the window and we're like, oh, that's a lot of rain out there. I don't like going in the breakaway in the rain. That's one opportunity. But I think it's more that there's so many teams that perhaps would have... Uh, would have done it but i was still surprised i was surprised that there was not more maybe they're just tired from yesterday okay yeah i accept that and listen this is a classic like this is classic couch ds i accept that completely <laughs> but but if you are we have spoken so much this year about and you saw everyone seems the statistics about the percentage of world tour races won by pog yumbo uh, or uae ineos uh maybe not ineos uh quick step with Remco or Matthew van der Poel and Philipson, and you have an opportunity today where none of those teams are going to go for the stage at all. And if you don't have a top sprinter, I'm looking at FDJ, I'm looking at Cofidis, I'm as you do there. I know you won yesterday, but get you know while the going's good, make hay while the sun is not shining and the other teams are hiding. <laughs> <laughs> Let the, the grass grow. Yeah. Because that's what I'm thinking. Because, yeah, those teams will control, but you know who would be very, very angry if every descent had to be get pushed full gas? Probably the GC teams, and there'd be trouble. So, or EF, education first, Betiol. So I was really surprised because, okay, it's not, it's a midweek rainy Giro stage. I completely understand it. Where would I be? In the in the car after 10K. Like, ah, too cold, too <laughs> rainy. But if you're Alberto Betiol, I don't know. This is, I, I was surprised. Um, but the also, you, eventually you have to have this stage like yep. we've been sport the first four stages you have to eventually expect this sort of stage exactly but still there's so many altitude meters in the first half yeah even if you don't go in the breakaway i felt like the the versatile sprinter teams might have made it harder like if we go back in time and we think about the bora sagan days bora would 100 have tried to benefit from this stage for the green jersey in the tour de france True. they've done that on these types of stages but then again, maybe the green jersey is more important than the Chiclamino jersey for people, and that's why they don't do that. But Trek Segafredo didn't really push that that hard. Jaco didn't really do that too hard. Otto Vergara was pacing at the front that was controlling the breakaway. But while all that is happening, something happens in the peloton. I was on a ride, you were on a hike, and uh, we didn't see it until we came back home. But a dog invaded the road. A dog, a small dog. Maybe it was Antonio Tiberi's. Jesus. Um, <laughs> invaded the course. And like... We've had some good boys already in this Giro. I've noticed some good boys that are on the side of the road. In Strada Bianca, there's usually a friendly Maremma that 
just walks by the side of the road, doesn't even notice the cyclist. This was not a good boy. This guy went straight for the first front, for the front wheel of the nearest rider that he could see, which I think was Ballerini yes. or Seri. Ballerini, I think. Italian on Italian violence. The breed of the dog, I'm not entirely sure. I would say the weight of the dog. Oh, maybe eight to eight to 10 kilos, but could be heavier based on the impact on the front wheel. And in these wet conditions, said dog just took Ballerini down and that caused a ripple effect. And in that, you, we've only got a heli shot of this and we can't really see Remco in the heli shot. And the next shot we see from a TV motor on the ground, it, Remco's crashed and he's on the side of the road, not, he's moving, he's sitting up, he's conscious, but he's not moving. Like he's just sitting there for over a minute and doesn't get up. So either rattled or also he was like getting his bearings or I don't know, just maybe he's just frustrated and just like, okay, let me just let the, adre let the adrenaline just sink down, relax. It's not an important phase of the race. Then I'll get up and continue. I, I don't know, but Ballerini slid for, it's weird because the wet makes crashes more likely, but when you crash in the wet like that, like Ballerini just slid and was fine. But yep. he slid like 55 meters. So anyways, this sort of thing happens, what, once a year in cycling? Animals taking people down twice this year, nearly with the horse and strata? Yeah, true. Too many animals on the road. What can I say? Ban them. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing before we go further, let's talk about the break. Very shortly, there's a three-man break up the road. There was a four-man break up the road initially for the first climb, that first tiny three kilometer, two kilometer climb at the start where Pinot took the points, then half of the breakaway crashed in the descent. Pinot didn't crash. It was, uh, I think, Zoccarato and, and Gaudin that hit the floor, but eventually they were still in the breakaway with Champion. So that's our three-man break for the day. But yeah, that's kind of it for the break, to be honest. They are there and then they are not there by the final. I mean, yeah, good on those guys for getting in the break. It was even sketchy in the breakaway. This was like a really tricky stage. And if you want to watch probably the last 10Ks is where I would recommend watching this race from or 15Ks when the GC teams start to move up and, and get busy. Ineos, pretty, they didn't have any problems today. They were, they sort of had lady luck on their side today. But if you do want to watch those last 10Ks, GCN Plus is the place to do so. There's all new also new documentaries dropping very regularly to keep you entertained perhaps after the giro finishes each evening maybe you want to watch tour de hungary maybe you're watching giro d'italia like us live and then you've got to go back and watch the tour de hungary well giro, the gcn plus has you covered for that so if you want 15 percent off an annual pass go to the link down below for lrcp listeners and yeah go check it out that's what we're watching on every day here together gcn plus at lrcp headquarters all right anything else happened in the mid phase of this race benji uh, this was i took a siesta <laughs> i only wrote down the only note is about the intermediate sprint and it's something else that says nothing happens on the climb but first the intermediate sprint let's talk about that break takes the first three amount of points but then there's still like i don't know like four or six points available i don't know by heart but anyway we'll talk about what the chiclamino standing is afterwards but peterson it was a bit of a sketchy sprint in terms of in the rain and so forth. Those sprints are obviously a bit more intense. And we see Peterson get a lead out and then he goes to the front and basically kind of leads himself out a bit because there's a corner just before the intermediate sprint and Milan's on the wheel and Matthews is too far behind. But he still beats, I think, Groves' 45th spot. So those are like the, the, 
the four riders that gained points at the intermediate sprint. So Peterson takes some points on the others there. But uh, we'll talk after the race what the Chiclamino standings are. Let's not forget that. Hey, Patrick, it's all on you. All my hope is on you. I mean, I can just read it from PCS, the okay. standings. But yeah, I probably will forget. Chiclamino is like not on my high list of... <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't give... Well, because it's just... Isn't it just who doesn't OTL by Rome? Albanese probably will win Chiclamino. Does he have a nah. shot? Dainese, like... I think some of uh, Groves actually Groves is climbing unbelievably well. Gro I think Groves will win Chiclamino. Um, probably not a hot take, probably because he's um, probably he's a point off Chiclamino. So <laughs> we'll get back to that. But yeah, Groves climbing so well, it's who's going to not OTL. Anyway, deeper into the race, as I said, GC team set up. Zoccarato is the only, is the last remaining guy from the breakaway. He starts having gear issues, but he's still pedaling with the like a self-selected cadence where he's gaining time on the peloton. So that looked kind of strange to me. And then he's eventually caught back when the GC teams start moving with Ernest. And Ineos set up a longer train today. Ganner is pulling in that train. I think after Plusky he pulled for a K and a half or so and then and then was gone. And then it was Swift, I think, for Thomas and Gagenhart. And then Aaronsman's wearing white, actually, because Remco's wearing Worlds jersey, doesn't want it. Almeida's in Portuguese national champs jersey, doesn't want it. And Legnison's in pink, so he can't wear it. So Aaronsman was in white. Afini wasn't at the front for Yumbo at this point. Rolich has been kind of doing the initial positioning of himself, I would say, onto Remco's wheel, and then someone like a Bauman flows over the top of him. But I couldn't see Afini for Yumbo Visma. Uh, Bahrain and Haig, I'm not sure where they were. EF, their strategy in the sprints is just to hands off. We don't get involved in this in this shenanigans at the front. On the left was Alperson and Jaco setting up for both Dunbar and Matthews and Groves for the sprint. So big road, wet conditions, seven Ks to go. We already saw in a roundabout how slippery it was because a TV motorbike crashed, and I don't know if it careened into the spectators. Seven Ks to go, there's one corner, and it's the last corner pretty much in this race. Yeah. And I was like, fingers crossed, no one crashed, no one crashed, no one crashed. Someone crashed, I don't know if it was Alperson or um, Love Stars Blue Jersey. Um, it was almost inevitable, frankly, because braking, front, too much front brake, paint, crash, Roglic goes down, falls over, gets straight back up, but he's also, his chain's off or something's wrong with the bike. Yeah. And we eventually see, and we see Jumbo caught, Quickstep were in better position because of Catania, Cherny, Ballerini, and they, they made it through safe. Thomas Gagenhardt, I think, Thomas definitely, but Gagenhardt as well, I think, made it through safe. And we're now thinking we're seven Ks to go. No three kilometer rule. Roglic, I haven't seen a Feeney. Is yep. he going to make this back? And who's going to drive it at the front? And we see that Quickstep still pacing. They're already pacing a bit before this crash happened. But I feel like Ballerini was pushing a tiny bit harder after the crash, if I have to guess so myself. But I will say we then suddenly see Bauman standing by the side of the road with a bike that has the number one on it. So that is Roglic's bike that is standing next to him so Argus is then okay Bauman gave his bike to Roglic which is a very good move and then we see the chase happening which is a gap of like 60 meters is my guess 60 65 meters based on the fact that it was four seconds in between manually counted by <laughs> this man himself and we see four riders of Yumbo, but then suddenly it's down to two riders because there's a split in the group and then there's a an EF rider in between they're probably Healy, Healy. yeah and Eventually, this group returns, but I will say, however, remember in the Tour de France last year, they had the, um, the Vingega 
mechanical issue oh, in the yeah, cobble yeah. stage. I would have liked to see a helicopter of this one because I feel like this was so well done because this was really fast. Yeah, because Bowman's the same size as Roglic. <laughs> That's why Tratnik was a good addition. He's the same size bike, whereas Koos is too big. Yeah. And Van Hooydonk gave, I mean, Van Hooydonk was like, let me just fix your chain, Jonas. Jonas was like, how about I take an XL 61 centimeter bike and I have to ride out of the saddle with it. Um, so yeah, I presume this is a slicker change. And Afini, I think it was Afini, did a magnificent job to the point where he dropped every other GC guy trying to come back. Afini gapped them and he brought them back within, I would say, 4Ks to go. It was over the three kilometer rule. And Afini, yeah, he did a really good job bringing Roglic back or whoever it was for Yumbo. And then we assumed, because. Okay, quick set, we're pacing with Catania to the three-kilometer rule, got three-kilometer banner, got zero problem with that. Then the question is, okay, are they going to keep pacing to the finish because people are dropped? Nah, doubt it, especially with just Ballerini there. And quick step pull-up stumps with 2.6Ks to go. So everyone's coming back anyway. And about this time, just under three kilometers to go, and this is very important, by the way, about 50-plus riders make it back to within whatever you con consider or constitutes this group, just under the three kilometer yeah. to go banner. And there's not really adequate helicopter coverage of all these riders, but uh, so many riders came back. I would also say that two Alpsen riders or whoever, whoever it was that were looking back when Yumbo were coming back and they like squeezed in the middle, that was like a bit, a bit unusual or I don't know what they were looking for because I think Groves was in the group ahead because he did pretty well at the end. Anyway, 2.6Ks to go. Camera pans from Ballerini leading up Remco, keeping him safe. Pans to DSM with Lechnerson, to whoever, no, Lechnerson came back, to DSM with, let's say, Dainese. Pans back, and it looks like Quickstep have pulled up stumps. They're under 3Ks to go, pull up stumps. We saw the other sprint stage. Unlike Roglic, Quickstep were happy to um, sit at the back, out of the melee. And in the front-on shot, even before it goes to the heli shot, you see Remco start to look over his shoulder. He starts to look. Yeah. And they're sliding back through the group. And it really is, this is the dangerous part of GC guys getting involved in sprints is A, trying to move up and B, trying to move back. Holding position, hold a wheel, they can do that, no problem. But now they're moving back and there's sprint guys, half of whom might've come back from the crash before, who were stressed. A lot of people are still fresh and it's wet. Renko looks over his left shoulder. I don't really know why, instead of just sliding back. And as he looks over his left shoulder, he drifts to the right. And Trek are moving up Pedersen or whoever on the right-hand side, and they're moving up to basically get involved in the sprint. Because as I said, we are under three Ks to go. This is a sprint stage. And <laughs> they move across to the left. Remco moves across from... No, they move across from the right. Remco moves across from the left. He's looking, not looking at his front wheel, and he chops himself. And to be honest, it's a bit of an amateur move. Like it, it's like 101. Like when you're dropping back, like look in a straight line or be aware of your front wheel and definitely don't look over your shoulder in the middle of a hectic wet sprint stage and move off your line that much and not know where your front wheel is and people coming from your right. So I don't really blame the Trek riders too much. They're trying to keep it up um, and move, move Pedersen up to where the sprint trends were on the left-hand side. And I think Remco's only got himself to blame here. I think so as well. And the factor is, I think a few days ago, we had a similar crash with someone looking behind. And there was a comment on Twitter by an ex-rider that said that Hushoff de Goat, let's talk about him. He said to that, uh, that ex-rider in his, in his heydays, never look behind because that can really cause crashes. Because if you look to the left side and 
you drift without you knowing, then you're going to drift to the side where people might pass you. And the factor as well is, you could say, oh, the, the Mets Peterson, the, the Trek riders are moving up, so they're coming from behind, they can see Remco. But the second that Remco moves to the right, the Trek rider is actually already ahead of him. Yeah. And Remco moves to the right and basically clash into the back wheel of that one rider, loses his balance, then flies into the second Trek rider because he's trying to hold balance, but in doing so, he's moving to the right even and more. And it's wet. Exactly. And it's wet. That's one factor. <laughs> but even without wet, this crash could have happened. Yeah. And that brings down half of the group. And it looks like, I don't know, Roglic is not in the group after this crash. Was he involved in the crash? I don't know, but... No, no, so there was a Yumbo rider really close behind uh, Remco, and Remco goes down, he bounces straight back up. Unlike the other crash, this time he's sort of fighting furious, and he's remonstrating and cranky about it, talking to the car very for a long time, and to anyone that would listen to him in the run into the finish, I think it was Seri, um, they reckon he gets a bonus. Even the Lotho rider. Reckon, it was, yeah, well, Chimulai, do you reckon Seri gets a bonus for listening to it? <laughs> no, it wasn't your fault, Remco. Those fucking Trek guys, how dare they try and contest? I mean... Listen, I know it's very old school, but I, I, I've said it before, I'm not a fan of three-kilometer rule because this is now the second sprint stage where there has been a crash with multiple riders going down yep. where it's the GC teams mixing it up with the sprint teams late in the stage where I really think they have no business taking sprint teams' wheels. And it's not like, like for example, like Ballerini was edging onto Grove's wheel a bit. We didn't see the initial, but it's like, this is the second time this has happened now. Um, right or wrong of, okay, sometimes it's going to be the sprint team's fault. Like people thought it was gross salt, sometimes it's gonna be Remco's or GC team's fault. But it's just those two groups mixing where the sprint sprinters are like in war mode and the other guys are in survival mode. I don't know. It I don't know how safe the three kilometer rule really makes the race. <laughs> Much safer. I mean there's been studies that show it doesn't. Agreed. And like I've already questioned it a few times before. Is the UCI ever looking into data to actually decide? if a rule is actually worth it to be implemented or was worth it to be impl implemented into the past. That stuff, I don't really know, but I will say Remco obviously is, the, is at fault of his own crash here, but it's also not like he did it on purpose. His reactions afterwards are very Remco-like and he's going to get roasted on the, internet, on the internet for doing so. But yeah, I think... He's, I mean, it's natural. You crash twice on one of these yeah. shitty stages. It's rainy, you know, and you're just trying to get through and you don't want to lose GC. It's understandable, like... I'd probably be even crankier. I, 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 you know, you throw a bike at people. Buani's <laughs> my guy. Yeah, my AirPods stop working. You know, they get jettisoned. So listen, I understand it. Anyway, the actual sprint itself, what lead outs are here? What sprinters are even here? We have definitely, we have Dainese. We have Groves in good position. We have Milan on his wheel. Milan is wearing a rain jacket. Um, I don't know how error it is. Maybe it's more error than the Ali speed suit. I don't know. I mean, Milan, Milan, obviously, he likes, he's already won one stage. Why not win one with the whole chest with the wind jacket eating the wind? But um, Pedersen's boxed in. That's the first thing I see. Pedersen's coming under, fighting Milan for Grove's wheel, but they're on the right-hand barrier. And it's like, Milan is not going to open the door to let Pedersen shoot through the left of Grove's wheel. So I'm like, Pedersen's not winning from that position. See, Cavendish was there. He made it through in the British National Champs jersey. And he's actually in a decent position and the base of the sprint just starts. Groves opens up. Milan, I, I was like, I called Milan from 150. I was like, Milan's going to win. He's coming out of Groves' wheel. And I know Pedersen's boxed. He isn't coming out of that wheel. And Groves just beats everybody straight up with a long sprint, just better in his finish. Now, 
there's there's another factor here at play. Groves is on the inside near the barrier. No paint. And I need to know. Does painted lines in the wet have more rolling resistance or less power transfer efficiency from the back wheel compared to the normal tarmac in the wet? Because Milan sprinted the whole time on the paint yep. and he's skipping. And if you're dropping 1500, you know, I, I do it all the time. I go out my house, I drop 1500 watts, you know, five, 10, sometimes 50 seconds up the local hill in the wet. You know, you slip on the paint a little bit. And Milan's doing that. And I'm thinking, that's not the spot to be in. And that paint then causes another problem, Benji, for Cav. We're not done with the crashes yet. It's crazy. He, I'll run through this crash. Cav is on the painted lines trying to come out of Milan's wheel. He, his back wheel skips out. out and he has to self-correct, nearly crashes, holds it up, goes to the left on the tarmac. That opens the gate or the door basically to Milan's back wheel in a lane but to the left of Milan for Dainese, who was boxed by Cav previously. Dainese just hits that and Cav slowed down a bit while he had, didn't pedal for 0.3 seconds. But then Cav aggressively swings back in to Milan's wheel. At the same time, not just to Milan's wheel, almost further than that, to the point where he's like, he's like trying to go back and box Dainese. But Dainese is already committed to jumping the other way to the left with that space that's opened. Yeah. Cav hits Dainese's back wheel like, I don't know, the deviation police. We don't have the merch yet. Um, the merch is coming, by the way. We should reference that. We're battle testing the merch. Uh, we're making sure that when you wash it, that the Luhrmann's designs don't run out or uh, that the sizing's all good, etc. That's why we're, we're battle testing the merch on the pods that you've seen, like this hat, like the T-shirts that you've seen Benji and I wearing. Twitter France, stay tuned for that. Is this, do we need to get our sprint deviation hats on for this or is this um, the famous cliche erasing a sprint incident? The internet's asking for a Dainese DQ. Oh, come on. No <clears throat> way. I don't see it. I don't see it. As in, Cavendish is going slower than Dainese, and I think Dainese moves to the left and does cut Cavendish's front wheel, but Cavendish going to the right was probably also not expected by Dainese at that point. So I feel like it's more leaning towards a race incident than an actual fall of either of the riders, because they both do something that was probably unexpected by the other rider, and that leads to them crashing. And What was Cav's line? He's crying, woohoo, back and forth. <laughs> like, Dainese doesn't have to give him five meters leeway either side. Like, Cav's on the left of the paint after he's recorrected. He then decides he moves further than Dainese. Cavendish moves into back into Dainese after he created that space, which, again, is not his fault. I would very much question why there are about a thousand painted lines at a pedestrian crossing in the finish. I think Cav then also... He finally went down when he hit the pedestrian crossing. I mean, the pain and the wet is crazy. Um, no, it's... Okay. Dainese shoots the gap. Cav eventually chops his own front wheel on Dainese's back wheel. Who's moved further? It's not like Cav... This is different to when Cav is on Milan's wheel, straight back on it. Dainese moves up from the right and just straight up chops his front wheel. And Cav's just been... To me, it's different. Uh, to that situation. Like Dainese is pre-committed already to an open space and Cav moves back in. And it's just really unfortunate. It's the painted lines creating an extra dangerous situation in the rain. Um, but no, I, I can't, I can't be, I can't get behind the DSQ Dainese stuff. Um, I think Cav kind of knew what he was doing actually, trying to move back in on Dainese a little bit as well. I think there, there's risk that comes with that too. Um, but anyway, 
Rose wins the stage. Milan second, Pedersen third, Dainese fourth, Cavendish fifth, Nicolas Dallavalle from Corotec. Didn't know who he was, but he came sixth. Maestri seventh. Fiorelli, he didn't crash. He came eighth. Um, held it up he on the... Knew better. Should have beaten Dallavalle. He, he nearly crashed in the barriers. Cal yeah, threw him in the barriers. He nearly... <laughs> he, I don't know how he didn't crash. Um, I don't know if he must have hurt his hand. Vendrame ninth, Matthews probably a little bit disappointed with tenth, I would say. Cavendish yeah. fifth, just, Cavendish got that fifth rolling across the line. Um, basically crash. So very, very messy uh, final stage. Do we... I keep refreshing PCS. It's been half an hour now, Benji. I don't... What do you think RCS do with the time gaps? I'll bet you... I'll tell you what's going to happen now. Well, I know what you're going to say, and I feel like the same way. I feel like we're going to see a lot of riders getting the same time that necessarily <laughs> don't deserve the same time just because they can't be fucked figuring out who was in the group and who wasn't. If you were in this, the first crash with 7Ks to go, I would recommend that you hide your Strava now, your Strava activity now. If you didn't make it back to the group, under 3Ks to go. Hide that old Strava activity. No evidence, no may, foul. May. And you believe that RCS is going to put in the time to figure out... No, someone on Twitter will. Someone on Twitter will look at it. Yeah, yeah. That person being me. <laughs> I'm like, he wasn't in the group. No, I actually don't care that much, to be honest. Because I hate the three-kilometer rule, like I already said. I think it's stupid. So um, I think they're going to give everyone the same time. I think they're going to say Roglic group was all the other people that crashed. And every, all the GC guys came back. And then Remco crashed. and they're all going to get the same time because if you can't do a TT timing correctly, then God, I don't know how you're going to do this one correctly. Uh, so GC, let's just say Lechnison stays in pink. No other changes in the top 10. Almeida didn't crash today. Miracle. I know. Someone texted me. <laughs> I literally got a text after the race saying, Benji today, Joao Almeida have luck. It's a, it's a Twitter user with a Portuguese flag in, in its name. So, <laughs> Dude. We're celebrating. I mean, maybe, I mean, there was another crash in Hungary today. Unfortunately, Plap went down really hard. I, I think he continued. Bernal also went down really hard for Ineos. And that was also in the last 3Ks. And I don't know. Because uh, Tullet was at the back of the group, not with those guys, not fighting for position. Like really just at the back laying off. And he didn't crash. And I think, yeah, it's just, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But it's it's really tricky in these dangerous sprint stages. But in terms of Chiclamino, I will bring it up. Like you said, Benji, uh, according to PCS now, it is Milan on 92 points, Groves on 91, Pedersen 56. I would say given Pedersen's current shape, which is not so good, uh, I don't know if he was caught behind the crash and had to come back, but I don't know. Um, Milan, yeah, but Groves, looks been... the, Groves is the favorite right now for me. Yeah, but Pedersen would have been closer if he didn't crash in that first sprint stage. True. Probably. Yes, true. He, he didn't get any points for that. Did Groves top three that stage? Oh, I can't remember, man. I live in the day. <laughs> stage two, Groves came third. Yeah, you're right. So well, yesterday. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Aurelian Perry Pantra won yesterday. Jesus Christ, dude. That took a while. Well, no, so on what's occurring about that, because G's doing a podcast every day, which is good, because he's actually giving some good tea. He's yeah. some good tea, and he said, you know, people might ask why we were pacing like that, and, you know, it looks stupid, and listen, we're not... You know, we just we were just there, and you know, and uh, we're not, but we're not going to do it for the rest of the race. Like, <laughs> so you just, I mean, listen, I made sure Yumbo have put Hessman in the valley and kept the, the gap tighter when Quickstep stopped, and then put Bowman and Coos to pace as well. So it's not just them. I don't know, um, but who cares? Yesterday's done. Anyway, tomorrow's stage two, 
Napoli. Remember, Napoli was the stage last year. There was a beautiful oh, circuit no, stage no. where Van der Poel, Bini got in the break. Huge fight. Um, they kind of backed themselves out of the break, and De Gent and Lotto had a masterclass to win. That was actually a really good break stage. Tomorrow's stage is a little bit less difficult than I remember that stage <laughs> little being. Bit. Is it is it less difficult? It's got longer it's climbs. Far less. It's awful compared to last year. Yeah. Don't don't you wish there was more hills for Betty Old type guys in the last hour of this race? Like, don't you think they're missing that proper hilly circuit at the end? Completely agree because now you're in a similar situation as today's stage where you are predicting is it gonna be a breakaway or a or do you sprint stage, something like that? Because the parkour looks doable for a, a Trek and Jaco and so forth to control in the same way that happened today. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's another sprint. It would also not surprise me if suddenly tomorrow's the stage where people start to try and fight on that. Well, just to be clear, there's a climb in the stage after 39 kilometers of 8.3 kilometers length, 6.2%. That's, in my opinion, where the, the break, if a larger break wants to form, that's where it needs to be. Unless a three-man Italian break has launched already beforehand. So, wow. Various in the comments said we we need to check the weather forecast, and I said, "Listen, you're overestimating how much work I'm willing to do for this podcast." But nah, I check the weather. I check the weather for tomorrow. Um, apparently it's raining in the morning, 17 degrees in Naples, and then it's 70% chance of rain for an hour, but then it's like 17 and sunny. For, yeah, but, but from from 2 p.m. to 5, it's like sunny. So I don't want to hear no rain excuses. But the thing is, with these last two stages, I don't even think the weather really Im influenced the. Well, the crashes, of course, it influenced and in some parts of the race being harder, it influenced. But I feel yesterday there would have been a break situation in a similar fashion if it was a sunny stage. And that might even have made the break more likely to win in the first place. I reckon, I think. Quick, I reckon quick check over the stage yesterday if it was sunny. If it's sunny? Yeah. Nah, don't believe it. Yeah. I'm not on paper with you. But, you, um, think they're happy? you think they're happy and not stressed the last couple of stages in the rain? They're definitely stressed, but <laughs> I don't think that would have made the difference necessarily. Probably the same goes for Roglic. If it's sunny, you'd be like, well, let's go punch out a you know, 30-minute climb of the sprint of yeah. a group of eight. Um, What's more important is the technicality of the final. Like, if we take a look at the Oh, the you've final... done some research too. No, I haven't. I'm just <laughs> pretending, and then I'm going to throw it back to you. And, and I'm like, if we take a look closer <laughs> at the final here in, in, in the sprint stage, we got to take a look at the technicality. And I think Patrick has done a lot of research <laughs> when it comes to the technicality of the sprint. It was a flat last finish. I mean, this is how thin, how, how much has it thinned out before as I let La Flamme Rouge load up. Um, God, this website's so slow. My Wi-Fi. Um, I'll run through the stage. 163 k's from Napoli to Napoli, out and back. They do a loop. The first climb is 8.3 k, 6.2%. The Valico de Ciunzi. Uh, and then there's another 3k, 5% afterwards. That is quite a difficult climb. Descent. Rollers, 9k, 4%, not difficult at all. Descent, bonus sprint, descent, and then some 1, 2k, 5% roller before flat into Naples on the coast. No crosswinds allowed in Italy. And let me have a look. They go through Sorrento up in there on holiday. Okay, we're into the finish, Benji. Doesn't look that, I mean, they go through, it's going to be in town. It looks like it's on the main road on the front of the sea, on the sea. Not that technical. Like, okay, there's a couple of roundabouts and there's like a, a left, right. But if it's sunny, it's not that technical. There is one small left-hand bend, I think, with a few hundred meters to go. Um, but there is a le there is a right, left dog leg with... Yeah, dog leg? Yeah, dog leg, one, 1. 1.5 k's to go. So it's a straight finish in the last K. 
Gaviria, I don't see it. I really am. Look, I'm just looking for the stage with a corner, a corner with 200 to go. And that is Gaviria's winning that day. <laughs> Tomorrow, nah. It's going to be a sprint again, isn't it? Because yeah. it, it, if it's if the teams didn't have the appetite today, why would they have the appetite tomorrow? Now, Pino will probably go in the break to get the, the KOM points on the Cat 2, the initial one. But Groves is climbing so well that you can put Oscar Rizabic on that climb and you can pace at a good pace and Groves ain't going to drop on 20 minutes. He can do six, 5.8 watts per kilo for 20 minutes. Quicker echelon. And then the break's going to get no leash. And he just won today, so you're confident he's the best in the best three sprinters here, him, Milan, and maybe Pedersen. So I think it's a sprint again because no one had the appetite to go today. Why would it change tomorrow? Like, is Bertiol going to wake up tomorrow and go all in on this break? No. Well, then why would Kung? No. Spray to sprint. Yes. Who wins? Cavendish. Ca oh. <laughs> he didn't, I mean, he got straight back up today, I think. Uh, he he crashed two of the sprint stages so far, so I'm just betting on him not crashing this time around. Groves won today. He looked pretty sharp. I'm going to go Groves again because Milan was in his wheel, and if, if he's better than Groves, significantly he beats him there. Um, maybe he was tired. Maybe it was the paint, like I said, um, but, you know, for us 1,500-watt Warriors. But, yeah, I'm going Groves again. They did lose single down to sickness. It's not that technical, the finish. This is really Pedersen and Trekker got a... As I said, Benji, they're missing turns. Like, Kirsch is good, but they are not in good position in the last K of these sprints. First stage, yep. of course, they crashed. That's not their fault. But um, maybe even today they were mixed up in the Ramco stuff a little bit. But yeah, tomorrow's stage, I think it's a sprint again. I, I really wish they had put some, some hills there uh, to spice it up. I guess we do have that on stage eight. That is that sort of stage. Uh, but we, I've already had three sprints. Three is enough. Maybe they didn't expect the sprinters to win today. Stage seven, we do have a long uphill finish that uh, Joe Dombrowski might win. I don't know. I'll get to that when I come to it. Campo, have we got a snow check on Campo Imperatore? Are we, uh, is it rideable? Mate, you just said we check weather for the stage before, not for 10 stages in advance. Well, well yeah, but we're not RCS. Well, actually, maybe RCS check it about the same time we do. <laughs> <laughs> they, log into the, <laughs> they log into the weather. For, oh, fuck. There's four meters of snow on the road. It's like 11 a.m. Adam Hansen to the CPN Salvador. Like, guys, come on. <laughs> like, ah, I've got we we'll just do another road. Um, anyway, that was the stage today. Not, not, the, uh, not the best stage, honestly, but I'm happy for growth. Well, it wasn't. It was like yeah. people crash all the time. And... Crashes making the stage is unfortunate for the race. Yeah, and it doesn't make it a good stage that people crashed, even, yeah. you know, um, the dog sent from hell. So yeah, if you want to catch up on those crashes, GCN Plus is the place to watch it back. Or Tour de Hungary, thanks as always for listening to LRCP, and we'll see you with the Naples stage tomorrow. Ciao.